0: Greetings, one and all, and welcome to the Pastor Mike Drop Podcast. My name is Mike Householder. I'm a pastor here at Lutheran Church of Hope, and I am really glad to welcome all of you to uh, this session. I'm really excited about this episode. Uh, As always, my co-host is here, Emily Langpaul. Hello, Emily.
1: Hello. How are you?
0: I am doing very well considering the circumstances. How about you and your family? The same. Yeah. Good, good. We are practicing social distancing here at Hope uh, as much as we can these days. So all of our meetings look like this. Uh, so I'm yeah. glad you're here. Welcome. And we are really excited. Uh, anybody who lives in Central Iowa and people listen to this podcast, we're a little blown away by how many people listen. I really think I should probably get a clue like how to do this. But um, we get we get a, still a big chunk of people from Central Iowa listening. And if they are listening, and if you're watching this, on uh, youtube or any of the other video channels you recognize these guys uh they are two of the most recognizable uh people in central iowa we have eric hansen the morning news anchor for kcci channel 8 and dan winters the uh evening anchor for who tv 13. welcome eric and dan great to be here yeah thanks for having us we are really glad that you're here we're we're here today to uh Talk about some important things, and I think you guys bring a unique perspective. Uh, right in the middle of of uh, the news that is coming in from all sorts of different directions. Uh, before we get to that, though, I if I'm listening to this podcast, if I'm tuning in, I want to know just a little bit more about like your stories. The the short version of that. Some other day, we'll do the long version of it. Right? We'll have you <laughs> each on individually and and get the whole story. But I I know you guys uh from your time here at hope you're both members of this church uh work for competing channels but we're all friends here right we're all uh one in christ uh but you both grew up in iowa if i'm reading your bios correctly and you both grew up on farms so how did you get from the farm to anchoring the news uh for for all these people in iowa why don't we go with you first eric
2: Uh, I grew up uh, about 45 minutes north of uh, Des Moines, up on a farm between Roland and Story City. Grew up, and and while I appreciated being on a farm, I knew right away that I didn't want to be a farmer. From the very beginning, I was in 4-H, I was in FFA, I was in so many different things, and I'm so blessed that my brother is, is on the farm with most of the other guys in my family. But I never wanted to be a farmer. So when I was going through high school, I realized speech class and different things like that, drama, those things were both uh pretty successful for me but i I also enjoyed them so then i went to Warburg college uh studied electronic journalism and and public relations there and from there took a job to eau claire wisconsin for one year uh kwwl in waterloo for two and a half and now i've been here at kcci for almost 20 years it'll be 20 years in may
0: wow it's been that long 20 years yep man thank uh Thank you, Eric. What about you, Dan? You grew up on the other side of the state, right? Yeah, I kind of grew up all over
3: the state. So I started out um, on a farm near Sheraton, and we lost that in the farm crisis when I was three years old and then proceeded to move around to several different towns. Um, I spent the bulk of the time growing up in Sioux City and then graduated from high school down in southwest Iowa in Clorinda. And that's where I got into Uh, like Eric did, I got into speech competition and drama and, uh, got a job at age 16 at the local radio station. And, um, I, I was kind of wandering around. I didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. Um, but God kept showing me that this is what I had to do. (laughs) I sort of ran from it for a while even, um, but was so blessed to, Uh, to get good internships down in Texas where my, my family was living. And then I got a, I got a part-time job when I was still at Iowa state at KCCI as the Mm -hmm. Sunday night reporter. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and then my first full-time job was at channel 13 and I've been there for, it'll be 16 years in May.
0: Wow. Wow. So we get so used to seeing you guys that time flies by, really. <laughs> it does. And, and plus you have that Dick Clark youthful gift, both of you do, where you look exactly <laughs> the same as you did when you started uh, 16 to 20 years ago. Uh, you, you two are not just both uh, familiar to Iowans, but you're highly respected journalists. Uh, you are award-winning journalists. I think if I'm doing the math right, I counted 10 Emmys between the two of you. Uh, that you guys have won, uh, which is phenomenal, in addition to a line of other awards. Those don't come easy. Uh, I'm well aware of that. Uh, and so I'm, I'm just really grateful that, that you two would take a few minutes and, and jump in on this conversation with us today. We want to talk about those places where Christ and culture intersect. And the two of you are right in the center of where our culture is uh, on a day-to-day basis, The news that's coming in and and then you were given the task of communicating that uh to the rest of us uh and so with that in mind let's uh let's get things started off by diving into our two minute drill emily's got some questions for you and you've got you've got two two minutes between you i think you guys are good with time so we should be okay
1: Okay, first question, a little bit more into your careers. What fires you up the most about what you do, and what's the biggest drag?
2: Well, I'll start. Uh, for me, fire, the fire-up moment is when I get access or get trusted with a moment and be able to capture a moment, whatever that is. Um, not just the run-of-the-mill thing, but when I get backstage opportunities. One of my coworkers calls it the backstage pass to life that we have, and, and we get – allowed to capture uh, on video and with audio some of these just moments that are sometimes holy moments, sometimes sad moments, tragic moments, awesome moments. I've had the opportunity to be in a hospice room with a a dying 17-year-old. I've been in a a delivery room in a hospital. Those are awesome moments that, that we get trusted to be in to share those moments that nobody else gets to the opposite is, is, for me, just the boring days, a meeting that goes on forever between, <laughs> as important as they are, school boards or legislatures or anything like that that just it is hard to visualize. We call it bops, a bunch of people sitting around. Uh, those are not my favorite types of days, <laughs> but finding the story in that can be a challenge. I don't know. How about you, Dan?
3: Well, I would say um, I, I agree with everything you've said, including the drag, <laughs> Um <laughs> That's that's universal. Those long meetings, uh, they they happen everywhere to everyone. And All news is local. You, you know that um, the things that get me most fired up. And it goes back to when I was when I was 16, when I started on the radio, it's this idea that I would know something first and I would have the privilege and responsibility to tell everybody else about that. And then knowing that and that, that, so that was radio. But getting into TV, now you've got these millions of creative ways to do that. And there's no right way. There's just the way you're going to do it. So letting that creativity flow. I know, Eric, you you love um, cracking that nut of figuring out the best way to tell that story. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also, um, th- there's this element of our job of speaking truth to power and holding people accountable. Um, mm-hmm. I get a real rush out of asking people tough questions um, and not like gotcha moments, but the questions that really deserve an answer um, from people in powerful places.
0: Yeah, I've been in those situations with both of you where uh, you've interviewed me on behalf of the church and your questions aren't easy, but they're always good Uh, and, and they lead to good conversation. And I really, really appreciate that. So but we need to move on. There's the bell.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, next question. When you cover a story that's tough like COVID nineteen and what's going on in the world right now, how do you guard your own heart?
2: Dan, why do you go ahead and start with this one?
1: Yeah, I
3: I I think it's the fact that we we know how this ends, right? Mm-hmm. We know we know what this is all headed towards as Christians. Um, we we have that blessed assurance that no matter what, uh, COVID nineteen or anything, um, we're taken care of in eternity. Um, and so that guards my heart. That's what gives me the assurance that I can go out and I can tell people bad things that are happening in the here and now, um, and and hopefully um, point them to something. That's, that's everlasting, that transcends all of the here and now.
2: Yeah, it's it's tough to hear and it's tough to deliver all of these bad headlines sometimes. And they are kind of, they do induce some stress. It, it, it's natural to do so. But just yesterday, one of my photographers who was out for a run ran by my house and stopped. And we were standing about 15 feet away. And as we were standing in our driveway, we were talking about so many people around us who just feel the burden of pressure and the anxiety just building over the last couple of weeks. And we really can't.
0: Uh, looks like we've a little technical Ooh. difficulty there with eric eric we're going to get back to you here in a second um yeah while He's we wa- oh he is back there he is hi there Eric. Is. we lost Sorry, you there just I yeah, no you were talking about the the photographer who stopped by your yeah. house and you were t-
2: yeah, he, he stopped by the house and, and and he said you know everyone else is so nervous about the anxiety written about what's going on right now whereas he a christian and me a christian we're concerned and we're aware, at the same time, we're not necessarily stress-ridden and angst-ridden about what's going on, because just like Dan said, we know where this leads. Yeah, how we get there is, is up in the air. We're not exactly sure what's going to happen over the next couple of days or, or the more immediate needs, but in the long run, we're going to be okay.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like hosting a podcast when one of your guests disappears, right? Uh, all of a sudden, <laughs> and you take a deep breath and you get through it. More seriously, and I know the bell rang, but I want to dive just a little bit deeper into that. Neither one of you can comment or both of you on this, because I think this is important. When you have to take those deep breaths before you deliver a story, when when you know it's one of those moments where you're about to say something, you're about to communicate something that is going to be hard for people to hear. And there's been plenty of that with COVID-19, right? There have been plenty of times where you probably think, my goodness, people don't know this and they're about to hear me say this that that it's stress inducing you said eric and and how, how is it that that your your faith helps you through that, which actually I'm gonna hit the pause button on that because the next question gets right to that, so yeah. let's just go right into our next one and then we'll follow it from there
1: yeah, it does it the next question is how does your faith affect your work as a news anchor and vice versa.
2: It, it definitely impacts things because it's it, no matter what your uh, occupation is in life, hopefully faith is a, it's an important part of it, and, and it's how you live your life, and it's not necessarily something conscious. At the same time, I mean, I, I was blessed as a child from never not knowing, uh, not having Christianity as part of my background. It's, it's always been important in my family, in growing up, uh, going to Bible camp with my grandpa and grandma, going to church every Sunday. This is just how you look at life through what God wants you to be doing in your life. So, yes, it, it's it's a challenge, but it also gives you just this perspective that I think um, is it, such a blessing. So when you do take that deep breath and think, wow, this is a bad day, this is a challenging day for so many, you're able to take that deep breath and just, just hopefully uh, deliver the news in in a calm and reassuring way, but also put some perspective in it to it. So know that, yes, there are some bad things, but that's why I also try my best in, in all the stories that we do to take a deep breath and look at the other side to go, you know, just like Mr. Rogers used to say, and Pastor Mike, I know you reference Mr. Rogers all the time, look for all the helpers. Look for all the good people out there doing good things around the state because not everyone is having the worst day in the world today. A lot of people are rallying and doing great things around the state of Iowa in the midst of all this craziness.
0: Yeah, Dan. Told,
3: yeah, yeah. It, to, to piggyback off of what you said, you know, we're we're tasked with giving some sort of an accurate portrayal of what's going on. And if we're only talking about the terrible things that are happening, we're not being accurate. Um, mm-hmm. Like you said, look for the helpers. And so my faith informs me to to do that, and also to have um, to have that empathy. Um, as journalists, we are charged with giving voice to the voiceless, and uh, the voiceless are those are the people Jesus sought out. Um, Those were the people he went directly to and met their immediate needs, but then um, also gave them something far beyond what they thought they needed. Amen.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Um, Next, what would you say to critics who say that the media is just overhyping the COVID-19 story right now?
0: Why don't you start, Dan?
3: Uh, Well, we hear you. First and foremost, we we are get we get the emails, we get the phone calls, we get people uh, who are upset that businesses are closed down, that schools are shut down, that they can't go on with their normal lives, um, and and we're sensitive to that. We get it. Our our lives are upended, the same as everybody else's. You know, I've got three kids here at home who are going bonkers, um, just like so many other people. Um, but the idea is, w- what if what if we don't address it seriously, and it's, and then it is serious? The the ramifications of that are so much worse than the opposite. Than if we uh, take it too seriously and it turns out not to be as bad. Uh, plus, we've got to uh, we're fans of science here, right? We we embrace science in the middle of our faith, and it informs our faith. and And if we're being responsible Christians. We're going to listen to the science. We're going to be aware and acknowledge what's happening around the world and apply that to how we're
2: going to go about daily life. Yeah, we can't stick our head in the ground and pretend nothing is happening. And just in the same way with politics and so many things, we hear from both sides. We are some people saying, I can't believe the government, that the the state is not shut down yet. Why are they closing it down more? And then other people email saying, why why are these offices closed? Uh, This is so overblown. So, Theoretically, hopefully, if we're hearing from both sides, that means we should be somewhere close to the middle ground. And at this point, so many people have so many different opinions on everything under the sun that uh, hopefully we're kind of somewhere in the middle of giving just a fair view of what's going on. Listen, Dan and I are not experts on, on COVID-19. Neither of us have heard of this six months ago because it wasn't a thing, but we're learning as so many people are learning and it's our job to ask the questions, but then also to present it in a, you know, pa- package it up and present it in an understandable uh, way that you can kind of digest and make your own decisions on what you should be doing
0: in your own home. Yeah, well articulated. The k- kind of thing you'd expect from two news anchors. Uh, yeah. you, you you have this responsibility right where yeah. you have news to share and to communicate and if you it's a public service if you and your stations don't do that uh we're going to we're going to be lacking something that we need and that's not just in the midst of a of a of a virus like this and a season of such great uncertainty but it strikes me that that that's an ongoing balance that you have to try to strike to be faithful right that along the way, it's really going to be important for you to do that and and I think a lot of it depends on I can speak to this too as a pastor of a pretty good sized church mm-hmm. that we hear from people too on both sides say well you you shouldn't have closed or you should have you should shut everything down, um, including this podcast and some other mm-hmm. things too but uh, <laughs> we're practicing safe distance and all that sort of stuff. Uh, I just want to make sure that everybody knows that but I think a lot of it depends on perspective. I mean, if the biggest thing that's happened to me in the midst of this personally, and if I'm not connected to people who've been diagnosed, then, you know, I'm, I'm worried about my dry knuckles and the fact that I'm, <laughs> I'm, my hair is starting to look like I'm doing a bad impression of Samson uh, because I can't get to a barber, you know? And, and so yep. if that's as bad as it gets, that's one level, right? But yeah. I've got a neighbor uh, who lives across the street who was diagnosed with coronavirus, so suddenly it comes right into our block, right? It, it, it hits us right where we live. It hits the whole neighborhood, all the houses that, that do life together in that neighborhood. And then all of a sudden you realize, oh, okay, this is different. And she's, she's not doing great right now. And so we're praying hard and we're doing what we can to help um, and to be the church. So we pray, we help, we love. Uh, but I think that that's, that's not just a church thing right? That's, that's everybody's vocation. That's everybody's calling as followers of Jesus Christ. And so leave it to the preacher to take the two minute drill and blow it completely (laughs) away. But that's what I do. So let's get to the last question on this, on this run, Emily.
1: Yeah, it's a good
0: one. I I like this one too.
1: Yeah. If you guys could interview God right now, what would you ask him?
0: Particularly, I'd add in light of what's going on with this virus. But if you want to add some other things, please do.
2: You know, one of one of my questions would just totally be selfish. Like, what should I, what what else should I be doing to further the message? What else should I? How can I make what I'm doing and make it better so that you live through me uh, and and that that I just radiate what what you're doing? That that that's totally personal uh, on my part. But I think if we all look through it from that perspective. Then you try to up your game individually, so that you can just just play, uh, be the cog in the wheel a little bit better uh, for everyone. I mean, it, the other question would be, how does it all end? But we know that we know how it all ends, and we are blessed to have that in Scripture to 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 have that instruction book in front of us. But 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 for me, it would be how can I take what I'm doing and make it better, and how can we all be better servants to fulfill your mission? I don't know, Dan.
3: Yeah, I just to phrase that maybe a little bit differently. What does success look like, God? What when you see the end of this? Because God already sees the end of the coronavirus epidemic. He knows how it's going to end. What would be the successful outcome? Um, how does He want us to? How does He want us to be different at the end of it? Uh, how does He want our hearts to change in the middle of it? Um, and and for me personally selfishly i i, I want to know um w- what am i supposed to be doing right now to
0: get the most out of this mm. right yeah there's there's in a in a bad news season like this there are still glimpses of good news aren't there the, those the the light breaks through into the darkest places and the contrast is so rich so and i know you both have uh the heart of journalists you in my conversations with the two of you individually, I know this, and Eric, we many years ago did a story together for Easter uh, where mm-hmm. you sat in the back seat of my car on the way back from Minneapolis after interviewing oh, yeah. seminary professors, that. and yeah. you just hammered that thing out. It was, it was impressive <laughs> to watch. I mean, it really was. So I, I say that to say this. You both have deep passion for telling stories. Uh, and finding the stories and and putting them out there uh, what, what are some of the sto- what, what are some of the good news things that are happening in the midst of this bad news, and that is not in any way to minimize the seriousness of what we 're up against, but is there let me ask it that way more honestly, is there any good news? <laughs> To share there along the way. Of oh my great gosh. Stories. Absolutely. And we've seen
2: them all week long. We, I've just been, <clears throat> last week, a week ago when I started working out at my basement, I didn't have a photographer with me. So I was stuck in the basement looking over FaceTime videos and, and uh, Facebook videos that were sent in to me, what was going on around the state. And I just got inundated with emails and messages from around the state saying, look at what's going on at my nursing home. of of the grandpa and grandson playing tic-tac-toe on the glass. Look at at, the bond that that was creating that will last down the road. Just the other night, what happened in Knoxville with hundreds and hundreds of cars going up and down the street, uh, scooping the loop like they hadn't done in decades with the local radio station playing music and the community that is built up in a community like that. Places that are setting out grandmas and grandpas and just anybody putting teddy bears in their windows just to make it Easier for the kids walking down the street to be able to have a going on a bear hunt in neighborhoods around the community, and so when we just take our kids outside now and, and, and drive around the neighborhood, they're going, "Hey, look! I found a bear! Look, I found a bear!" Those are just such easy, basic things. But then there's so many other examples of, of community that are uh, that are bubbling up in this time of uncertainty. And the appreciation, just like Dan said, of what we have around us so that hopefully, in the long run, we won't forget that. Dan, what are some of the things you've seen? Well,
3: first and foremost, uh, all the things you described that... um I don't know, it's just so fun every day to see your your Facebook inbox or your email just light up with because people are dying to share this stuff. They want they want it to lift other people up. That's why they're they're flooding our inboxes with it. Um this morning I got a message from my neighbor who's a dentist who does this he he helps organize all of the Iowa dentists who do this Mission of Mercy project where they set aside a weekend to give free dental care to all of the people who don't have dental insurance, who desperately need that, that service. And he, he, he was really down. He was bummed. He said, Dan, we've got we've to cancel this thing this year. Um, and, and thousands of people rely on that for not just their dental health, but the, for their overall health. Um, but he said, what we are doing, is we're getting all the dentists together and we're gathering up all the medical equipment we can. We're going to take it to Polk County tomorrow and we're just going to give it to them. Wow. So there are so many cases of making lemonade out of lemons. Yeah. Um, and i
0: you, you, if you question the local news, we're going to keep bringing you those. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. That the, the desire for people to help is high. Right. Everything from from teddy bears in the windows to driving through Mm -hmm. Knoxville and waving and I'm not sure I've ever seen it this high.
3: Eric, have have you I mean, we've been through tons of floods.
2: No, no. never seen it to this degree. Yeah. After 9-11, the patriotism was out, of uh, uh, you know, off the charts. But as far as community coming out and and just neighbors, just just chomping at the bit, wanting to play a part in things. Because their hands are tied, they can't do much, but little gestures become huge, whether it's a guy in Indianola who just had some kids' books and went out to his barn and sat with his goats, and and as the baby (laughs) goats are jumping all over him, he's reading children's books, and thousands of people watch him just to to entertain and educate kids that he'll never meet. Those are the types of awesome things that are happening right now that are such an opportunity in the midst of all this craziness.
0: Yeah, that's that's incredible. Emily, you were going to say something.
1: Yeah, I would add that I think as a listener and just as a person myself uh, hearing these stories, it just feels good to have something to celebrate. Mm -hmm. And so it's good to hear that there's good in the world and it's a good pause on all the bad to say, hey, look, this stuff is still happening Um, Mm -hmm. and that joy is still there. Mm
3: -hmm. Yeah, it comes back to being accurate. Um, Mm -hmm. If Mm -hmm. we're not telling these stories, we're not we're not giving you the real picture of what's happening. It yeah. would be
2: irresponsible for us not to give you the headlines and the daily counts of how many people have passed or, or what you right. need to be doing. That would be irresponsible. But it would also be irresponsible just to ignore the awesomeness that's happening, happening as well. It's, Amen. Amazing,
0: it's amazing how many parallels there are. So is it, it's not the same, but there are similarities. As, as a preacher, we've got good news to share. We've got really good news to share, right? As, as you alluded to earlier, Dan, that we know how this story ends. Yeah, there really is no mystery to the, to finish. Eric, you talked about this too, mm-hmm. that we know God wins in the end. We've got really good news to share. And the Easter story is the best news of all, that there's resurrection, um, hope, and that there's life even in the face of death and light for that darkness. We we have this good news and we have people who want to share that good news and be be good news messengers. We've had over 600 people sign up to be on our God squad, which we just fired up again. Mm-hmm. People who are ready and at the call to go and serve. So we're delivering meals to people who can't get meals. We, as I pulled in today, there was a truck that was getting filled up with food and it was going to go out. We're just behind the scenes things that people want to do, and I agree with you guys, I've never seen it like this. It's amazing what happens when, when uh, people of faith get pushed and, and we get overwhelmed and, and the darkness seems to be so deep and so significant and so overwhelming, but that's when the light breaks through all the more. Um, so I think it's important to tell that good news story, but as I was starting to say before, to keep our balance, too, to also tell the truth about what's happening. I also, as a listener uh, and somebody who's tuning into you guys on the news, I want to know the truth. I don't, I don't want to be protected from things that are actually happening. And, and I know you guys embrace that responsibility too, mm-hmm. as you chase down these stories and share this news with us. So uh, I want to say thank you for that uh, mm-hmm. on behalf of Iowa uh, for, for you guys doing that and pray for you too, that you, that you'll be able to continue to strike a, a balance in, in those things and in those ways. Uh, what is it about getting those stories and telling those stories that, uh, fires you up. You talked about it a little bit before. I just want to drill a little deeper into that. What is it about you that makes you want to do that? And then what do you see as the outcome of that?
2: For me, when when I hear about a good story, it makes me go, "Wow." Whether that's wow awesome or wow awful or I can't believe that. And then when I'm actually there watching a story unfold in front of my eyes, one of the things that I try to do is document not only what's being said and what's going on, but also what's going on in my mind. How am I reacting to that moment? And I try then, when I write the story later on, to try to bring you, the viewer, along with me so that you can experience what that moment is that I had as well. It's the setup of of the location and the characters and making you care about the person that I'm introducing you to and telling their story, whether it's great or awful. But getting you invested in that person, that individual Iowan that I believe you should care about, And then unfolding the wow moment, whether it is somebody who just won the Powerball jackpot and is on top of the world or somebody who has just lost a loved one and is going through tremendous grief, whatever it is. Those are the moments that I love fine-tuning and trying to to kind of uh, work with words to try to find the right moment so that you, when you're watching it at home can get the full picture of not only what happened but the why it's important and then also to appreciate the surrounding the people around it appreciate the moment better so that you can feel what it's like to be included because when we say x number of people have COVID 19 That's one thing. That's a number. But when you can put a face on it, when you can put an emotion, when you can put the family into it, when you put the community into it, then it becomes real. It becomes passionate and it becomes more understandable. And that's part of what I enjoy doing, whether it's a great story or a sad story, a tragic story or a joyful story, is just trying to bring you, the viewer, along so you can understand better through people, through people's eyes, through people's words, through people's actions and the noises around the room why this is such a powerful story. Dan, how about you? Yeah, I totally agree with the idea of these
3: moments to have got to be captured. That just compels us. And I, more than most people I have found, mourn the passage of time. And Mike, you have talked so many times about don't miss it. Mm-hmm. Don't miss this day. This day is only for today. This life is only this life, and if I can capture it and savor it and then pass it on and package it up in a way that's entertaining, that's meaningful, pass it on to other people so that they don't miss it, that's what gets me fired up.
0: There's a power in stories, and Jesus knew this too, which is Mm -hmm. why so often he took these deep spiritual truths, and I really hear, that resonates with what the two of you are saying. and turns out you're not just two anchors who read teleprompters and 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 look (laughs) handsome right you're you're actually have a heart in these stories you're actually feeling it and i I love the way you talk about that uh that eric you know you say that here you're, you're paying attention not only to what is being said and what's happening but how you feel as you hear the story and I think that that's the power of a good story, too, is then if that part resonates with you, you're going to try to share it in such a way that the same thing will happen to the people who are who are tuning in and hearing you tell this story and reporting it in words and pictures. And Dan, yeah, the, not missing the moment, right? That is so, so important because we all know the older we get, the more we realize there are no guarantees. Right? There are no. There, we, we've all had tragedies in our lives. We've all had overwhelming things that that hit us, uh, and so here's the thing: we're we're in this for the long haul. I just preached on this recently. That this is a marathon, not a sprint. Our hope has not been canceled, and our call to love has not been canceled, and our faith has not been canceled. And those things, there's no virus that can steal those things from us. And so we still have these moments, like you talk about, Dan, and we still have these. These moments that you talk about, Eric, where you're feeling what you feel in the midst of it. So I would encourage people to be fully present uh, in the midst of a a tough time and to know that we're Easter people. The story ends well. There's always resurrection. um, There's going to be an eternal uh, glory. There's going to be an eternal celebration. uh, No matter how bad the news gets, and not to push it too hard here, but no matter how bad the news gets... Uh, there is a gospel message that we get to celebrate and share, and there's a resurrection hope. Uh, So, yeah, we're out of time. Too bad. Uh, I would love to continue this sometime. So I'm going to put you guys on the spot and say, can we continue this sometime, you know, uh, down the road? For sure. I think this would be great. Absolutely, Emily, it's called Pastor Mic Drops, so we always close with a mic drop moment. And Eric and Dan invite you to jump in, too. What did you learn from each other? Uh, today. Uh, what was that moment, that that uh, light bulb moment, that moment of, hey, I hadn't really thought of that like this before? Um, so, something that, that you might take away from this conversation, because we're present in it, right? We're fully present. <laughs> How about you, Emily?
1: Yeah, well I, well, I learned a lot about your approach to news reporting, which is so, really fascinating yeah. and great. Um, but I think the thing that stood out to me the most was talking about the accuracy of reporting about this story right now and that it is not accurate that there's only bad news it is accurate to show that there's still good people and there's still joy in the world and that's good to hear
0: yeah how about you dan we'll go through you first to wrap up Uh, it just struck me as we were talking uh, about
3: stories that each of us is going to have a story to tell about how we responded in this time um, a story to tell to our children and grandchildren, hopefully. And, and, and it's going to reveal a lot about us. One of my favorite quotes is by Oscar Wilde. It's that uh, fortune does not change men. It unmasks them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I apply that to hard times as well. Um, you're who you are uh, and and the hard times can just kind of strip away everything else and really reveal that. So I think a lot of people are going to have, go through a lot of self-discovery. And, and I think it's going to be good for everyone individually and us as a society to decide, because we have that power or we have that free will to decide, how am I going to respond? And, and then whatever informs that, you know, hopefully for me, It's a lot of what would Jesus do, right? Um, But we're all going to have to ask ourselves that question because no matter what, at the end of this, we are all going to have a story to tell.
0: Amen.
2: Yeah, and and, and the power of storytelling is is so important. Uh, Basically, what, what Pastor Mike and we do is somewhat the opposite. You can take one verse and preach a 40-minute sermon on it and we can take a whole 40-minute meeting and boil it down into one minute, but we're both we're all telling stories, and there's power in those stories, whether it's the stories that that we tell on the air or that Pastor Mike tells during the sermons or that Jesus told in the parables there's power in the story because there's power in the people, and the key is to know that when the credits run at the end of the newscast or when the sermon is done, or when the story is over, and, and when our lives are over, the key is to know what the end result is, and we all know that that we have this goal in mind that what god wants us to do to get there and so it's our goal to take that story to share it with those around us accurately but also to tell it compellingly so that the folks around us can be motivated to jump on board as well
0: you guys Amen. you guys are good aren't they good emily yes yeah, so <laughs> absolutely <laughs> awesome conversation and it's true uh, I love the way you put that. That you guys take forty minutes of a of a conversation and turn it into a one minute story, and I take yeah. one minute and turn it into forty. Hey, that's my job. That's that's my call. Sometimes it's good to have a microwave, right? Just to zap things down and 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 fast cook the thing. And other times it's good to let it simmer, uh, and and let the story evolve and and let it cook, uh, slow cook a little bit for a while. And uh, I'm just glad we get to be church together with you guys. And so my mic drop moment. Um, is kind of gets along the lines of what you were both talking about, paying attention to the time and the moment uh, and not missing it uh, and paying attention to how you feel in those moments. So let me, just, let me just close with this, that being in the midst of this conversation, I am one of the things I'm really thankful for, although this is not the, the express goal of this, I'm glad that it's happened, is anybody who's tuning in and is used to just seeing you as news anchors, is going to realize, wow, there's some, serious, there's some serious depth to those wells there. They, that these guys are approaching life and their vocations and what they do uh, with a significant, deeply rooted faith in the greatest storyteller of all time. I mean, Jesus is the one who took these deep spiritual truths and told the simplest of stories, and it changed the world. I mean, it was a right side up kind of changing movement that he that he started with his stories and with his love and with his ultimate sacrifice uh, for us. And so I'm just glad that people get to know you guys better. Uh, like I have had the, the pleasure of getting to know you over the years. Uh, I'm glad that people will be able to tune into this and realize, wow, these guys, and you're not the only ones. We've Got a lot of folks in our HOPE family who uh, are your colleagues at various stations and the Des Moines Register and other places as well. Uh, And we're thankful for all of you. Thank you for telling your stories. Thanks for sharing some of your personal stories today, too. And we will continue that again uh, sometime soon. Thanks for all of you uh, for tuning in and uh, for bringing your story to the body of Christ uh, here at HOPE and around the world because we know that this podcast is going out to church people all over the place, and people who aren't church people. And if you aren't, I want to encourage you, um, not for the sake of just getting connected to church, although that is not insignificant, and I don't want to dismiss that. But I want to invite you to use this as an opportunity to turn to God, or to return to God, because I believe nothing less will do. Uh, in the midst of what we're up against as a global community, I want to encourage you, um, to go to the source that is the ultimate source. Go, go to the God who loves you, who made you, who has a plan for your life. And uh, during this Lent into Holy Week and Easter season, a God who was willing to take great lengths to make sure that you could be in a relationship with him right now and forever. So we have a lot to celebrate. That is the good news, that God loves us, that God is with us. So keep the faith, uh, folks, and hold on to that hope. And uh, know that love has not been canceled by this coronavirus COVID 19. God bless you all. Thanks for tuning in.
1: Hey, everyone. Thanks for tuning in today to the Pastor Mike Drop podcast. We would invite you on whatever app you are on to rate and review us to help get the word out. And in the meantime, if you can join us for worship, we would love
2: to have you. We'll see you there.